thankful for uh, the opportunity for us to, to be here with you uh, this evening and to share about the country of France and the ministry there. Uh, this evening, I'd like to invite you to uh, open your Bibles to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. In this uh, chapter, of course, you have this uh, famous uh, uh, Macedonian call where Paul had plans to, to go to places and the Lord prevented him to uh, go to those places and eventually the Lord showed him through this vision to go to Philippi and there uh, he uh, meets uh, several people. Uh, but this evening in this chapter, I would just like to talk about hearts. When we talk about the gospel ministry and we talk about the people that we meet, people that we witness to, uh, it is always a, a matter of heart. Uh, it is in the heart that we are convinced of our sins and it is our heart that we believe unto Jesus Christ. And heart is very important. But the thing is that we never know what kind of heart that we're going to meet on the mission field. We don't know who we're going to end up witnessing to. We don't know these things. But in this chapter, I'd just like to point out a few hearts to just show us the importance of seeking those hearts and understanding that there are many, many different hearts. When we read in verse 1, it says, Then came he to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timotheus, the son of a certain Jew, of certain woman, which was a Jewess, and believed, but his father was Greek, which was well reported of by the brethren that were at Lystra and Iconium. Him would Paul have to go forth with him, and took and circumcised him because of the Jews which were in those quarters. For they knew all that his father was a Greek. And as they went through the cities, they delivered them the decrees for to keep that were ordained of the, the apostles and the elders, which were at Jerusalem. And so were the churches established in the faith and increased in number daily. So when we look at this part of the chapter here in Acts 16, we realize that Paul here meets a certain young man named Timotheus, Timothy. And the type of heart that I see here is the heart of one who was adopted, an adopted heart. Adopted heart because this young man, Timothy, was already a disciple. And sometimes, you know, we will be witnessing to people and then we realize, well, this person is a believer. And we meet fellow believers, fellow Christians. But here, Timothy, we know I would say very little about him, about his background. Of course, in Paul's epistles, we understand a little bit more about Timothy and his mother and grandmother who uh, were very instrumental in Timothy's faith. Timothy was a young man who had been brought up in the faith. His mother here, it is said that she was a Jewess and believed. So we had a person here whose background, family background, was that of, well, a mother who was a believer, a grandmother who was a believer. But then, about his father, it just tells us he was a Greek. It doesn't tell us anything about his faith. And so we suppose and assume that while well, he remained a pagan, uh, he remained uh, in his uh, system of belief that Paul has 
in his ministry encountered many times, uh, like well, following chapter in Athens. But we have here a young man who was brought up in a family where there was an influence. And this young man was already a disciple. So he was already an adopted heart. But what's very specific and important about his heart is that Paul noticed something about him. And Paul decided to take Timothy with him and to uh, bring him into his team to be even a father, a spiritual father to Timothy. In his epistle, Paul writes to Timothy and talks to him as his legitimate son, son in the faith. So there was a very special bond between the two. In fact, when we look at this passage and what we know of Timothy, we see that he was twice adopted, adopted by God the Father into believing in Jesus Christ, but also adopted because Paul took time with him to teach him, to take him under his wing, and to make him part of his team. And then Timothy was one who was essential in, his, in Paul's uh, ministry, but also uh, he served God. And as I said, we will meet such uh, hearts whenever we share the gospel. But God will lead us to people like Timothy, and he will lead us to other hearts. If you look further on, in verse 14, it tells us about a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. So here we have a different heart. We have a heart that was ready. We had a heart that also was opened open to hear what God had to tell her about Jesus Christ. Now, the situation here is different than that of Timothy. Timothy was already a disciple. And here, this woman was part of a group at Philippi who was gathering for a prayer meeting. And Paul decided to go to that uh, meeting there by the river uh, most likely because in Philippi there was no synagogue because that was typically Paul's uh, thing to go into cities, look for uh, fellow uh, Jewish people, find the synagogue and go to the synagogue and preach Christ. Uh, either it would make people very angry or some people would say, oh yes, we believe Christ is the Messiah. But there, there's no such situation. And most likely because there were not enough uh, Jewish men to establish a synagogue there. But anyways, they're there by the river on a Sabbath day. And they meet this woman, an open heart. Someone, in a sense, who already worshipped God. Someone who still needed to hear about Christ. To hear about who he is and what he has done for her. It tells us that the Lord opened her heart, and at that point, she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. When Once her heart was open, then she was attentive to the gospel message. And Paul, it doesn't say clearly that he preached and everything, all the details that he said, but we understand, verse 15, that that uh, 
created in her a reaction that brought her to be baptized. Verse 15, And when she was baptized and her household, she besought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. So once this heart was open, and once this heart believed into Jesus Christ, there was an effect. It was not just her, but her household as well. People who lived there, probably maybe her family, probably some of her servants, people believed unto Jesus Christ and were baptized. And we see immediate fruits because we see the desire in this woman to be a help to Paul and his team, inviting them to come to her house to stay there. And she even constrained them to stay there. So an open heart. And there too, you know, we will meet people who are open to hear the gospel. Oh, we'll meet a lot of people who don't want to hear anything, who will throw back a gospel track to you, but there will be, and there are people who God will open the heart, and they will be attentive, and they will come to know Christ. And then following that, we have another heart. Verse 16, it tells us, It came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. What we have here is a very different kind of heart. This is a tormented heart. In fact, this poor young girl who was a slave was also possessed by a demon, which people, her masters, took advantage of to make money. So she was tormented because she was possessed by a demon, tormented because she was a slave. And, you know, in those days, some had good masters, some had evil masters. But we understand that her masters were bad people. They were taking advantage of her. They were letting her stay in that situation of being possessed by a demon to make money. Now here, this tormented heart was following Paul and shouting after him. And what she said was, well, it was true, right? These men were servants of God, and they were showing the way to salvation. But imagine, imagine being in a situation when you, where you have someone who is constantly following you, someone you do not know, someone obviously who is not a believer, but then you know that this person is under the authority of a demon, possessed by a demon. And you can imagine how annoying that can be. I don't know, maybe you still have some younger kids. Sometimes, you know, my boys are like, dad, 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 dad. And that can be annoying for a minute or two. But imagine for several days having somebody following you and shouting these words after you. Ugh. That would be annoying and tiring. And so Paul, Paul decided to cast out that demon and set this young girl free. 
But what is sad here in this passage is that we have no mention of a change of heart. Right away, of course, the masters, when they learned what happened, they were not happy. They caught Paul and Silas in verse 19. They brought them to the marketplace, to the rulers. And you know the rest of the story. They were thrown into prison because of that. But this poor girl, though she was freed from this demon possession, she was still, in a sense, tormented because she was still a slave, still a slave to her masters, and still a slave to sin. And sadly, we'll meet people like these who are in difficult situations, tormented, And when you present them with the gospel, when you bring them the solutions from God's word, they might find a little bit of relief in what we say. But sadly, many of them don't come to Christ and remain tormented. Then after this event, of course, Paul and Silas were thrown into the jail. And there we read about another heart a desperate heart. We read at verse 25 that at midnight Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep, and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. A desperate heart. A man who had lost all hope. He had a job. His job was to watch over the prisoners. His job was to make sure no one would escape. And when this earthquake occurred, and this guard is realizing that, oh, they're gone. They must be gone. I mean, anybody in their right mind, in a situation like Paul and Silas's, that they would be in prison, and suddenly the gates open, and they're, they're free. They can just walk out, them and all the other prisoners. That would be the logical thing to do. Any one of us, I suppose, would do that. But they didn't. And so this man who had lost all hope because not only he would lose his job, his livelihood, but most likely the punishment that his superiors would bring upon him would be so terrible that he himself thought that killing himself was the best solution. But when he hears Paul's voice, don't harm yourself. He's like, who's still there? Impossible. All the prisoners should be gone. He calls for a light. He looks and falls down at Paul's feet and then asks the most important question any heart should ask. What must I do to be saved? What must I do? Who knows what kind of songs Paul and Silas were singing that night? 
But I'm pretty sure that these songs talked about God's grace, God's love, about Jesus Christ, about salvation, about freedom in Christ. Who knows? One day we'll ask them, right? But this man knew right away that he needed to ask that question. And Paul's answer, we know this famous verse 31, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. And then Paul goes on and talks to this man. And this man comes to Christ and his household as well. He is baptized. And we see his desire to help Paul. He washes uh, the stripes, uh, takes them into their, his house. And from a man who had lost all hope, a desperate heart, now we have a believer. Now we have a heart that is full of hope, full of peace. Now, the reason I enjoy sharing about this passage and about these different hearts is that these are the types of hearts that we've seen in our ministry in France in this little church of Amiens. You saw in our presentation that we too have our Timothys. We too have, well, believers who have come from uh, homes where the parents are Christians and have taught their children the importance of being part of a church. I mean, we have Emily from Ireland. We have Rebecca from Haiti and Estaniela from French Guiana. And you know what? When you are far away from parents and you're on your own, that's the easiest time to stray away and not take time to go to church. But we see in these young ladies that their parents were just like Timothy's mom and grandmother, teaching them the importance of walking with God and being part of a local church. And we're so happy that the Lord has led them to come to our little church there in Amiens. And the way that the Lord has brought them to us is, for us, really amazing. But then we also have like Lydia, people who were in a situation where, yeah, they worshiped God, but they did not know Jesus Christ. Such as Rydion and Amélie, who were Jehovah's Witnesses. And you know what? <laughs> what is truly amazing about their testimony is the fact that during COVID, during lockdowns, that through the internet, through a preacher here in the United States, they came to know Christ. They already believed in God as Jehovah's Witnesses. They, they worshipped Him, but they did not know Christ as God. They did not know Christ as their Savior. And God used, you know, COVID and lockdowns and in ways that we would not even understand still now how God worked through those times, difficult times. And I know that it was difficult. I know that it was not easy to uh, conform and comply to the regulations governments impose on everyone. But when we see that it took that for them to be in a situation, well, let's go look online. <laughs> we have time. And for them to come to Christ, who that mean? It's, it's just amazing. So yes, they are just like Lydia in, in that sense. And then we have a few tormented hearts. A few tormented hearts. We, uh, in the presentation, you saw uh, Gregory, and we also mentioned uh, Romain asking you to pray for these men. 
Both of these men suffer from mental illness. In fact, Romain, when he called me the first time, uh, he was straightforward about his condition. And he asked me if he would be able to come to church. I said, yes, no problem. But then he also shared a little bit about his background and the things that, uh, uh, about his life. And he shared about the fact that years ago when he was younger, and he, uh, he had joined the Mormon church there in Amiens and was baptized in the Mormon church. And I, I mean, for him at that point, he really believes that he was healed from his mental condition. And he links that to baptism. And after a few years, he, he walked out of the Mormon church, and then his condition came back. So when I talked to him, and when we were talking on the phone, and even every time he comes to church, it's pretty much the same conversations, but his mindset is on the fact that he wants to be healed. He cannot stand his condition anymore. He's searching for that healing. And he's always asking me, what must I do to be baptized? And then I have to tell him, you're asking the wrong question. The right question is, what must I do to be saved? And then you can be baptized, because this is what baptism is all about. So, you know, showing him God's word about baptism. But he is focused on that, sadly. And he remains tormented in his mental condition because of that. But the first time he called me, I also told him, you know, after sharing the gospel with him, I said, you know, God may or may not heal you. He can take away this mental condition and free you from that, but He can also leave that condition and give you all you need to live your life, well, with peace, but having still having this condition and sharing with Him the example of the Apostle Paul himself asking God to heal him three times, and God told him, my grace is sufficient. And I shared with him about many other Christians who live and suffer through medical uh, issues and health problems, and God is allowing that, and they're using that as a way to serve God and to share the gospel with others and showing the peace and joy and grace that God gives when one turns to Christ. But at this point, he's still tormented. And Gregory is in the same situation, even worse than that. Worse than that because he has told me directly, sometimes by, uh, he, he writes me letters at least uh, once every two weeks or so, and most of his letters is, he's just ranting about this world and how evil it is and how tired he is and how he would like to go to the store, buy himself a, a, a box cutting knife, you know, to slit his wrist. That, that's his focus when he's not feeling well. Tormented and desperate. And... Uh, even before coming back on furlough, uh, just a few days before, I had to go pick him up. Uh, because of his condition, he cannot stand staying in his own apartment. He believes everybody is against him, you know, and that's part of his mental condition, sadly. 
So he walks out of there, he'll walk for miles, sometimes hitchhike. And, and last time I had to go pick him, pick him up, he was almost an hour away from his house. And he was in terrible condition. Tired as can be, tired physically, tired you know, emotionally. Uh, and again, he told me, well, I got this knife. You know, if somebody, you know, tries to hurt me, I'm going to defend myself. But then also uh, was reminded of his desire, you know, to end his own life. And he has good moments, but many difficult moments. And he will often look at me and say, this saddens you, doesn't it? I say, yes, it does. And you cannot do anything for me, can you? I say, no, I can't. But God can. He can help you. He can help you go through this. He can give you the peace that you're seeking for. And I always remind him of all the people that have been helping him so far, helping, convincing, trying to convince him to you know, focus on the positive things that you know, God has done in his life and the people have been helping him. And that brings a little bit more of a peace in his, uh, in his mind for a little bit. A few weeks ago, Brother Abbott sent me a message uh, telling me that uh, Gregory had stopped at, church, at the church during the week, and they were talking, and at one point Gregory just handed him over this knife and said, I don't want this anymore. Small victory, but still, I mean, just like the slave girl, she was freed from the demon, but she was still enslaved to sin, to evil masters. And, you know, we, we really ask you to, to pray for us because it's, it's not easy to deal with people in these situations. And God has not only led these two men to, to come to our church, we've had other people come and visit in the same situations. And I always look at my wife and I'm like, am I a magnet to people like this? <laughs> but... Yes, I mean, God is at the same time teaching us patience, teaching us to have more grace and more love towards these people. And, you know, sadly, I mean, nobody else, nobody else cares about them, about their spiritual state. Um, but pray, pray for us and pray for these men. Pray for our little church that, you know, they would continue to, to serve God and to grow and to, uh, to be a light, a brighter light in this area of France. And again, we thank you for uh, the opportunity for us to share about our burden for France and for the people there to share about the ministry. And we thank you. Thank you for at least taking the time to listen to uh, this presentation and sharing uh, the sharing of God's word tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your patience, your patience toward us, but to all mankind. Lord, help us to see the hearts around us, to understand that people have different backgrounds, different stories, sometimes stories that are horrible. And Lord, help us to go through these hearts, and share the gospel with them. Tell them about the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, that you would uh, enable us to have the, the courage and the willingness 
to, to go to people and to show them your love, your compassion, and your grace. Lord, help us to see the hearts around us, to have that same compassion you had when you looked at the people and saw them as lost as they were. Lord, help us see the lost hearts around us and help us to share your word with them. In Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.